0: bless us as we bless you as we enter your word in christ's name amen thank you lord this boasting will do no good but i must go on i will reluctantly tell about the visions and revelations from the lord i was called up into the third heaven 14 years ago whether i was in my body or out of my body i do not know only god knows Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside of my body, but I do know that I was caught up into paradise and heard things so astonishing that they cannot be expressed in words, things no human is allowed to tell, that that experience is worth boasting about, but I'm not going to do it. I will boast only about my weakness. If I wanted to boast, I would be... No fool in doing so, because I would be telling the truth, but I wouldn't do it because I don't want anyone to give credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message. Even though I have received such a wonderful revelation from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults, hardship, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Thank you, Lord. Strength and weakness is what I want to share a little bit about this week uh, or today. And I will be brief. Thank you, Lord. Before I share the truth about God's word, I need to share a little bit about me and my couple of weeks. Um, so, sharing is just another way to say, it, venting uh, about my recent past. It's been a seriously hectic few weeks for me and my family, and um, not to get into all the events that have occurred, but the days have been long, the nights have been short, the pain has been significant, um, stress has been to a high level, prayer has been minimalized to just the basics. Study of God's word has been less than profitable for me. My wife had her second major surgery. And please don't take this as a complaint, because it's not a complaint, it's just me sharing so um, you understand a little bit where I'm going here. Um, If you've never cared for somebody um, 24-7, it can be very challenging. And the fact that I have the privilege to do that for my wife for the second time this year... um, has been uh, an opportunity for God to reveal a great many things in my life. So we know pretty much uh, our speaking schedule. Uh, Pastor Lucas, you know, gives me the privilege and honor to allow him to take a breather here and there. And I knew, we knew that the 13th was my Sunday. So like normal, I start preparing for Sunday in the manner in which I've been doing for a little while now. And um, I've had the message ready. All right, and it was it was exactly what I wanted it to be. It was it was the perfect length eleven ten and in, in distance. It was you know everything that I wanted to say. And in the course of all the busyness and all the uh, of the last few weeks, eighteen hour days, deadlines trying to be met, businesses trying to be ran, health taking care of this and taking care of that. Then yesterday, I get a phone call from my oldest son. He says, Dad. I'm like, Yeah. Any of you have older children that have grown? You know that when you get a phone call, it's probably something that they want. (laughs) It's not just to say, Dad, you're a great guy. Love you. Miss you. Just saying, Hey. (laughs) So Saturday, yesterday, I get the phone call, Dad, I need a place to live. I'm like, Okay. Come home, son great you know i haven't seen my oldest son in a while great come home live in the spare room for a while you know save your money do what you got to do all that anyway this was yesterday for me Uh, (laughs) i'm not sure last time i was up here i was talking, talking about the last truck i destroyed but this one is me moving my son he had a couch and a bed i was told I didn't bring a trailer or anything, and it ended up being that. So we load them up. We take them, and I'm driving back to North Carolina from South Carolina, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm praying. I'm like, I got to speak tomorrow. God, I got my message, but I just don't really have any peace about all, you know, it's, it's exactly what I want to say, but it's exactly what you want me to say. And it became pretty evident, pretty clear that as I traveled down 17, do it 35 miles an hour so a bed doesn't fly off the trunk, <laughs> top of my truck. It was clear that it was not what God wanted. So we're going to put it on the shelf so that when God wants to use that one, it'll be there. But I'm like, okay, Lord, it's Saturday. And I took peace in this because the very first time I come to Coastal years ago, and I've shared this with Pastor Lucas so he won't, he knows when we get there, what I'm going to say? But I got here with my wife, and we sat right there, right? And I'm a word guy. I love the word. So, I mean, the music is good. As soon as we see Chris and Tim up here, uh, we didn't know Kyle yet. We knew the music was going to be good, right? Music's always good, right? God's always good through the music. And, and Pastor Lucas comes up here, and he's like, well, God didn't give me nothing this week, <laughs> so I'm really not prepared. And I'm right there saying, oh, my gosh, are you kidding me? Are you, what? In 20 years of ministry, I've never heard anybody say that. Well, I just really don't have anything. Let's just go with it. And he did, and it was great, like normal. We all love Pastor Lucas's, all that he does. He's great at what he does. Anyway, I said that to say this. Because whenever you hear a preacher say, Well, you know, I started my message on Saturday, that means he was been lazy all week and didn't prepare. Well, that's not the case. So I started preparing yesterday afternoon, and I'm like, Lord, okay, what do you want? And he made it abundantly clear that I have been way, way too busy. I have been so busy. That my prayer life became, morning God, thanks for loving me, I'll check in later, kind of thing. And really, that was the extent. And the Word and the daily devotionals were a second. It wasn't first. And because Pastor Lucas has the the confidence in who he is as a man of God and can say, I don't have nothing for you today. I can stand here and say, well, you know, my prayer life has been pretty weak and my preparation or my devotions haven't been what they should be. But you know what? God is good. And God is faithful. And as I'm traveling down 17, God tells me, you need to share about what you're going through right now. And I'm like, well, Lord, right now I'm pretty beat. I'm pretty tired. I'm pretty wore out. Matter of fact, I feel pretty weak. Real weak. He's like, "Okay, well, let's let's go with that." And I'm like, "Let's do that because I I can do that because I know how to be weak." So this so today we find our text in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, first 10 verses, and we find Paul talking about his weaknesses. And it's okay for us to share and be and understand it's okay that we can feel weak. Matter of fact, we don't like to feel weak. Whatsoever. It makes us feel less. But really feeling less in Christ is more. And that is what Paul is trying to share. Um, I'll probably date myself a little bit here, but that's all right. I'm not a woman. When I was a kid, I used to dig Bruce Lee movies. I don't know if you. Some of you probably know who Bruce Lee is. Hopefully, if you're not, Chuck Norris's better brother, whatever. Bruce Lee was this oriental guy. Anybody know who Bruce Lee is? So Save me the house, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was those kinds of movies who when they spoke, you know, his lips didn't match his words kind of thing, but he was like this super ninja karate dude. And if I didn't have my shoulder tore up, I'd probably show you a move or two. But what he was f- famous for, besides being surrounded by a bunch of bigger dudes ready to pounce him, was that he would always do this. And you go... And that was his sign that he was ready to take you down. Right? And he would do his pre-karate stance moves or whatever, and they'd do this, and he'd be like, come on, come on. And that really leads me to... To a story in the scriptures, the Old Testament story, there's too, but um, in 2 Chronicles, I know Lucas will dig this, Pastor Lucas will dig this, because he's an Old Testament kind of guy. In 2 Chronicles, in the 32nd chapter, there's this story about King, uh, let me get it, and this is very cool too, because it's okay not to be able to pronounce words here, because he does it all the time. <laughs> But King Assyria, the King of Assyria, um, named Sennacherib, was he was the he was the man. He was the most powerful king on the planet at the time, and his armies took out the other ten tribes. This army was was conquering the lands, and he come for Israel. He come to Jerusalem's walls and camped about his walls, and basically spoke in Hebrew to the people of Israel in Jerusalem, and in the 14th and 15th verse said this. Remember, this king is about to pounce. His army was significantly larger, battle-tested, took out every opponent in his way, gets to the gates of Jerusalem and says, or his men who spoke Hebrew says, do not, let, do not let Hezekiah deceive you. Hezekiah was the king of Israel at the time. And mislead you like this. Do not believe him. For no god of any nation or kingdom has been able to deliver his people from my hand or the hands of my father. How much less will your God deliver you from my hand who of all gods of these nations that my father's destroyed has been able to save his people from me. How then can your God deliver you from my hand and God says come on and that night God dispatched one angel one angel and that one angel took out 185,000 soldiers wiped them out dead God is bigger in the weakness of Israel God stood and destroyed an army. In 2 Kings chapter 2, or chapter 6, we have another story about um, another king of Syria coming to attack Israel and destroy them. And every time they would set up an ambush, Isaiah the prophet would clue in the king of Israel, and they would adjust their battle plans, and they kept fording the king of Israel, or king of Syria, so much so that this king got bent out of shape and sent an army after Elijah. So Elijah and his guys are hanging out by the river in tents, and they come out the next morning, his servant of Elijah comes out of the tent and looks out and sees that they are surrounded by the enemy, the army of Syria goes back in the tent. He's freaking out. He's like, Elijah, what are we going to do? What are you going to do? The army's all around us. What are we going to do? And Elijah's like, chill. I'm paraphrasing. Relax. <laughs> Relax. Those that are with us are greater than those that are with their army. And he prayed that the Lord would show his servant that truth. After he got them praying, the servant steps out of the tent, looks again. And he not only, he saw the first time chariots and men and horses The second time he looked out there, he saw chariots and angels and chariots of fire all around. And he knew that God was there. Elijah prayed again and the entire army went blind. Bang! Entire army blind. Imagine that. They guided them into Jerusalem or into, uh, ah, gosh, where was it? Into another town. (laughs) We can do that here. Into another area. And the king of Jerusalem is like, should we destroy them? And Isaiah is like, whoa. Or Elijah is like, whoa. You didn't, you didn't win this battle. God won the battle. Feed them and let them go. So he did that, and that was that. But what I'm saying is that when we are weak, God is strong. When we are overwhelmed by life and all the difficulties and circumstances, God is bigger and we are, when we are completely weak and at our, at our lowest point, the place we do not want to be in the natural, God shows up in a big way in the spiritual. Romans 8.31 says that if God is for us, who can be against us? In our weakness, we find that when Paul asked, when we saw before, when Paul asked God to remove this hindrance, you know, a lot of theologians, scholars are always trying to figure out what that was and there's all kinds of ideas of what that was. It was left out on purpose. The reason it was left out on purpose, I believe, is so you could insert your own thing there so that we can see what God is, wants to do in us. But when he spoke that, take that from me, Jesus himself spoke back to Paul. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness, so when Paul says that, we know what he's talking about. We understand that uh, it's a powerful truth that we can rest in. That it's okay to be weak, especially guys. We're not supposed to be weak. We're supposed to be strong, right? As the voice gets lower, it makes well, that makes you stronger. The truth is that it's okay, guys, for you to be weak because it makes us dependent upon the one who is strong. So if you're here today and you're going through it, and you've experienced a lot of difficulties and hardships in your life, maybe God's speaking to you, it's okay to go down that road, to be weak, because he wants to reveal to us something special about himself in us. You know, it's great when God moves on behalf of your neighbor or your wife or your husband or or whomever in your circle of influence but it's completely different when he moves on your behalf it's completely different when it's personal and intimate and only god could do this for me when that happens it changes who we are it's kind of like strength training anybody ever done any strength training here i've done enough to know that i don't know enough that when I do it, I usually hurt myself or twist something or, or, or just do it wrong. Well, I know that I need a spotter or a trainer to help me to become stronger. And spiritually, it's the same way. Spiritually, God wants to be our trainer. He's telling us, he's asking us that, listen, let me spot you. You know, when you're sitting on a bench or whatever training you're doing and, and your arms get weak and the lactic acids build up and you're not able to push anymore, that spotter just with a couple fingers can help you get to where you're going. God is the same way. He wants to be your spotter. He wants to be the one who helps you get to where you're going. David said in the Psalms 29, uh, the 11th verse, he says that he declares the Lord gives strength to his people. He wants to help you in your weakness. When, I, when my youngest son was just little, he was always constantly rearranging his room, moving his furniture. Every time I turned around, he was moving his furniture around, moving his bed over here and this and that over there. And one day I walked into his room and uh, he was trying to push his dresser. And he just, I mean, the dude's like this big and the dresser's like this big and he can't move the dresser. And I see him struggling, so I just walk up behind him. He didn't hear me, and I pushed on the top of the dresser, and it moved. Well, that was fine when he thought he was doing it, but when he looked up and saw me, he was like, Dad, knock it off. Knock it off. Let me do it. I can do it. I can do it. So I'm like, okay, do it. So in his kidhood, he's fighting and pushing and pushing and just, could not budge this thing, he had his back on it, He's pushing. he just couldn't move it, it was way too big. He's like, Okay, dad, help me. And we moved it, no problem. And that's kind of how it is spiritually with us and God. We don't some of us we don't want the help. I don't need the help. Well, God says, listen, the help is available and it's here for you today. Strength is God's. He has it all for you and me. You know, we need to really come to this understanding. We really need to allow, we really need to allow the truth that God is strong and I am weak. Or probably more important that I am weak. We're all weak. If we really look at the big scheme of things, you know, us compared to the Creator, we're nothing. We are very weak. God is very strong. And until we understand that, we kind of do Christianity backwards. Sometimes we do it backwards because we think that, well, you know, uh, God needs us more than we need him. And that's crazy. But that's, we may not say it out loud, but, you know, that's kind of our position inwardly. Or we, we believe that, uh, you know, God needs our time, our talents, our resources to further his kingdom. Again, if we think about that, that's crazy. God needs nothing of us. Or God is far more dependent on me to do what I need to do for his kingdom than than I am on him. And that's backwards. That's utterly and completely backwards. And if we live that way, what's going to happen is God's going to permit it, and you will become weak and in need of him. So either way, you are going to go his way. But when we come to the place of understanding that we are weak, and he is strong. It changes everything. You see, the thorn in, in Paul's side was put there, permitted to be there for a purpose. For a purpose. God is a God of purpose. He just doesn't wing it. He's not responding to an event. God is proactive. He was He already knows. It's already been done. He has already seen it. He doesn't respond. So God knew that Paul would become proud in his strength, in his accomplishments, in his way of thinking about things. And really, if we think about it, we can kind of see it. We can kind of see how Paul could be proud. I mean, the dude's a legend, if you think about it. I mean, Paul, he, uh, wherever he went, He spoke to large crowds, and people were convinced that Jesus was the Christ. I mean, that alone will do a work on a man or a woman. You know, he started a number of new churches all through Asia, Asia Minor, uh, Rome, Greece. He knew the Bible backwards and forwards. And on top of all of that, get this, in the beginning of our text, we saw that the guy had a private tour of heaven. God showed him unspeakable things about heaven that he was told, nah, can't talk about it. Like, here it is, but you can't say nothing. And for 14 years, he didn't even reference it until now. And then he didn't even go past the point where, you know, well, I was there, but I'm not going to tell you. So, I mean, even anybody can see how pride could rise up in a man who, who God has used and permitted. And it happens to all of us. All of us. You're not alone. Even the most righteous, if you want to say it that way. Even leaders and pastors and teachers, they become prideful. Years ago... Well, not that many years ago, God revealed to me that I was very prideful. And and, and it came to my understanding, me personally, because people was always saying, oh, you're such a humble guy. I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? Because in years past, being the front man, being the guy up front, you get used to it. And if it's your thing, you kind of dig it. And when you're not doing it, it bothers you. But there's a, there's a danger that you like to be the guy. You like to be the center. You know, um, I love Pastor Lucas. He's, he's, I, would, I would sacrifice all for, for my pastor. Right? But I'm just going to be real because it's allowed here. There are times when I see that table, dinner tables, and I have never told only but one person this, so now now it's going worldwide. (laughs) And please, we got this understanding, right? (laughs) But there are times when I'm sitting at a dinner table with other people in the church, and they just love Pastor Lucas. They're just like, oh, he's so great. He's so this, he's so that, and I'm like, yeah, he is, he's, he's the man, I mean, but a part of me, and I'm being real, a part of me, because for years I was this, and, and not that that's anything special, except that you get used to it, and then there's, a, there's an element of pride, so then when people are like, and, and, that, and it probably sounds awful, and I, I, it's disgusting to me to even have that in me, but I'd be like, ah. And even to say it's hard, you know, and to say it's hard, it means it's bad. But it's like, I've, I remember when people said that about me kind of thing. And that's just awful. I mean, everybody agrees that sounds awful, right? Yeah, it's awful, trust me. But I never. that's why I never tell nobody. <laughs> yeah. And that's where God is working on the pride thing. and And that's just because... You know, at one time, you know, pastor this or pastor... I remember the first time somebody called me Pastor Jim. It was the most foreign, weirdest thing ever. And now I notice when people don't. And it's like... And I'm just sharing this, being real, because it's easy to become prideful on some level. Irregardless of where you are. If you're at work and you do your job great and somebody else gets a promotion or they're always gleaming about the next guy or... You know, Kyle makes the greatest table and everything, and Tim gets all the credit kind of thing, and Kyle's like, I built the table, and of course, that's not their heart, that's me, just, but that's the truth. It's easy to become prideful on some level, on some level, so God keeps this, this thorn or this truth or whatever it may be. To keep a person humble. My thing is Pastor Lucas. No, I'm kidding. But the truth is, the truth is it's easy. See, we're not about titles here if you can't tell. You know, it's not about titles. If you're here for a title, you don't need to be here. We hear it all the time, and that's the truth. But it's easy to allow pride in whatever you're doing to, to creep in. And God's got a way of, of helping us with that and keeping us humble Because what we'll think and we'll start doing is, well, why doesn't the world revolve around me? Or why doesn't, well, I said do it this way and it doesn't happen that way. What's wrong with you people? I've been in enough church board meetings and of not here. Of course, our board is perfectly fine. But I've been on other board meetings for years and years and years. And there's always the one guy or gal that's got this complex where what they say, they think is the gospel, and it should be done, and their heart may be right, and their words may be right, and it may sound great, but it's just not what we're doing. But they think it ought to be. You know, there's a problem when we think the world revolves around us. It doesn't, and it never will. Although it appears that the church revolves around leadership, it doesn't. The church revolves around Christ and Christ alone. That's who our, That's who our strength is. So Paul has this thorn in his side. And, and, and just this last point, I want to just hit this last point and we'll wrap it up and sing a song and we'll love on you a little bit in prayer. But there's a truth about the kingdom of Jesus Christ. The truth is, that it's built on weakness. The gospel, the the kingdom of God is built on the foundation of weakness. We don't have to go any further than the cross of Christ to see that Jesus Christ had to become weak so that we may become strong. He had to suffer a sinner's death. He had to die uh, a painful death so that we may become strong. It would have been so much easier for God just to come through the clouds and wipe sin away, be done with it. Pow, God can do anything. He could have done it. But the truth is, Jesus didn't roll like that. He didn't do it that way. Wherever there is sin, there must be an atonement for sin. Because people are sinners by nature and by deed, There must, something must die. And in the Old Testament, we would always find sacrifices of animals that were given at the altar to atone, but never to eliminate sin. There was only one sacrifice that was, that could take away forever the stain of sin. And that was the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He had to become weak. He set aside his his divine attributes so that he could live a life and experience what we experience and then suffer. In doing so, this life, he never sinned. He never broke a law. He was born sinless, lived a sinless life, and died a sinner's death. He died because he was made himself weak, so that we can be strong. And that's the truth. So, the church, the kingdom of God, is founded on the weakness. It's okay to be weak. Trials in our lives. Let me read this scripture to you. Um, 1 Corinthians 1 and 8, great scripture. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. It is the power of God. Trials we go through can either make us or break us. We have a choice in our weakness. We have a choice to allow it to destroy us Or we can allow it um, to push us into the presence of Christ. To be desperately dependent upon Christ. The power of his spirit that lives in us. Which rejuvenates our spirit. Which lifts us when we're down. Which comforts us when we're broken. God is close to the broken and we hear it almost every week. Pastor Lucas tells you and I, you're broken. we broken people. God is close to the broken. He wants us to, to allow that brokenness to be real and to be right there. We could be a tennis ball, and this is probably the, the, the cheesiest thing, as if I could quote, forget it, I'm quoting him way too much. This is probably the cheesiest illustration there is. But you can be either uh, uh, a ball of Play-Doh or a tennis ball, right? This is where we take out the props and go, here's some Play-Doh and here's a tennis ball. You make an imprint, life's imprint. Come on, bro. Kyle. (laughs) We take a a trial in your life or press. Come on, band. (laughs) We take a trial in your life and you hit... A ball of Play-Doh, it makes a lasting impact. It dents and stays dented for the whole world to see. Or you could be a tennis ball. Second cheesy illustration that when there's an impact, it hits that tennis ball, it caves it in. But then what happens? Pops back out. Pops back out. Christ died And became weak so that we can become strong. It is in his death that we have life. God is always. Say always. Always. Okay. God is always. Say always. 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 God is always on time. He is never late. He is perfectly perfect and arriving in your need exactly when it needs to be. God loves you. And sent his son for you. So. Let's allow our weakness. To be our strength. Allow Christ. To be our all in all. But this only happens. His strength is only made perfect. After all the sacrifice. After all the stuff we talked about. The truth is that it's in our walk with Christ that the strength rises up. We have to be in Christ and with Christ, walking with him daily. So it's a busy time of year. It's a busy time of year. Remember, sometimes we just have to stop. You hear it all the time here. Sometimes you just need to stop and allow God to be God in the moment. Amen? Let's stand on our feet and let's just sing this song real quick. This has been a presentation of Coastal Vineyard Church, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information on who we are and how you can support future podcasts, visit us on the web at www.coastalvineyard.org. Come to the fountain